Where were you on that fatal day? I'd gone to the petrol station. My mum's called me up. Baby, they got him, they got him. This was in the peak traffic, yeah? This happened. My brother's gone down to go and get drugs from this guy. They've come down, four, three of them. Three of them come down. My brother was walking backwards. They were on the road and he'd tripped on the curb going backwards. As soon as he went down, the guy come in, stabbed him, then they all ran off. There was one stab wound in the lower stomach and he bled in. So he bled internally? He bled internally. Jesus. He killed my brother. You killed the man that made me who I am. You're dead. Yeah. You are 100% dead, without a doubt. Did you manage to get hold of any of these lads before they got nicked? So, um, Welcome to the Eventful Lives Podcast. I'm your host, Dodge, and I'm the founder of Bournemouth Sevens, the world's largest sports and music festival. On this podcast, I speak to fascinating people who have all lived eventful lives. If you haven't already, do us a favour, press the follow button and check us out at Dodge Woodall on Instagram, TikTok and YouTube, where we've now had over 80 million views. Paul Stansby talks about the impact of losing his brother to a knife attack and his mission of hunting down his attacker to get revenge. Paul has used this as a catalyst for change and now dedicates himself to raising awareness about the devastating consequences of knife crime. This is the eventful life of Mr. Paul Stansby. Paul, welcome to the show, mate. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, mate. Um, mate, some journey you got here. Wasn't it about five hours to get here? Yeah, left at seven this morning. <laughs> Traffic's been Fair a play, mate. Fair play. 40 mile an hour motorway. <laughs> <laughs> Quality. Let's roll all the way back. Where did you grow up and... Why have you become such a big advocate for knife crime? All this started from, um, well, I'll start where I'm from. So I was born in um, West London. I grew up in Hounslow and Felton area. Um, didn't have the best of childhoods. I grew up in women's refuges and stuff like that because my dad was a bit handy with me mum. And uh, luckily I was young enough not to have uh, remembered a lot of it, but it definitely played a part in how I grew up, do you know what I mean? Um, more, it was never, I never ever saw the physical side of it, but I heard it. You know, we're always in the next room. And you know, when, you, when you're growing up, I guess as an adult, you just assume that young children would never remember or, or understand what they're doing. Um, but it truly did have an effect, um, I, I, you know, without a doubt, you know, um, born with a lot of anger, you know, um, not understanding why or what, no one explained nothing. You know, and when you're not explained anything, your your mind is left to try and figure out why your dad would eat your mum. You know, uh, I I could never understand it, even still today. You know, um, when I got older, skipping like a lot of years, um, I asked him, and he said that he'd made a lot of mistakes, and he wished he never done it, and he's not that person no more. But I'll go back to the beginning before we get into that. So. I remember one one day my, my dad got up and went to work. He used to drive the London buses, double double red, you know, the double-decker red buses. He used to drive them and he'd gone out to work and uh, we literally, my mum had grabbed the bag, said, we're going, we need to go now. And it was like a mass rush. And then we left, the police were there. We got loaded into a car 
And then we got took off to this place where we were all living in one room. And uh, we had a shared bathroom with like 387 women, no men. So I grew up, I grew up around women, all women that had been beaten and abused. And it's confusing, but I had so much fun in there because I was the, like, I had, I got white hair, you know, like pure white hair. I don't know where this beard come from. <laughs> yeah, I really haven't got a clue, but my hair is pure white. Yeah. I, I'm literally a spit of me dad. Yeah. yeah, he's got white hair, white beard, look like Santa Claus, the mm. skinnier version, you know. Mm. And um, I'd gone in there, I had curly blonde locks. I don't know whether you've seen a picture of my son and my daughters. They're like white blonde curly locks, you know. Um, my hair was exactly the same, blue eyes. And all the women in there, they love me. They was like, oh, I wish he was my son. Yeah. And I, I, like, I had so much attention, do you know what I mean? From all these other people. How old were you when you went there? Um, I was about four years old when I went into the first women's refuge. And then I was there right away through um, di various different ones because every time we'd go somewhere, my dad would find out where we was, turn up and we'd go, we'd get moved somewhere else. I've been to multiple schools, couldn't settle down because of how many times I'd been, I've been to over a hundred schools. Mm. I know a lot of people think that's, that's a joke, that's ridiculous. But when you're in protective custody, like un under the control of like the police to make sure that, you know, you, 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 your mum ain't getting beaten, they will move you instantly. One time I was in a school for two weeks and then we moved and I was, I was in another school. You know, it was almost pointless going to school. Were you moving around the country or were you moving around Southwest London? All over. All over. I've lived okay. in York, lived like Stone Market. It, we, we ended up settling in Felixstowe because uh, he just gave up in the end. He just gave up. So what was your old man doing? He found out where you live and then coming knocking on the doors wanting to see you or be yeah. more abusive to your mum? It was a bit of both. It was It was kind of... A control thing you know it was like a dominating you know you get them alpha males that want to dominate and the only thing they can dominate is a woman so it was kind of like he'd come down and when he'd come down he never it didn't look like he'd come down for her but it looked like he wanted to hurt her by taking us away yeah okay so he wanted us so this one time we were standing on a freeway um waiting for a bus and my dad spotted us, he was just driving by, and freakily, he, he stopped on the side of the road, and he grabbed me, picked me up, and said, if you wanna see him again, contact contact me. And he, he started walking off with me. And then I started going up the road, and I would just remember staring back at my mum, whilst I was over his shoulder, like, he was, he held me, so I was held onto him like a monkey, do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So he his head, the back of his head, and I, my face was, the same direction, you know? So as he's walking away, my mum and my sisters were getting smaller and smaller. Mm. And I just thought, I'm never gonna see them again, that's mm. it. Like, this man is my dad and I love him, but he's gonna take me. Mm. He's, I'm, I'm going now, I'm never gonna see my sisters or my brother ever again. Did you ever, did you ever see your old man beat your mum? No, no. but okay. I saw the damages after. Yeah. Like, they'd go into the kitchen or something, and there'd be all the shouting, smashing. So I saw, if I went into the kitchen, there'd be glass smashed on the floor. And they'd say, get out, get out, you're gonna, you know, don't stand on it. So automatically you look down at the floor, there's glass everywhere, you know, and you see all that lot. A hole in the door, you know. Mum's got split lip, a bit of a red face, bruises on her neck, like, you know, the red bruises mm -hmm. that you get, like them on her neck and that. And then I remember this one time it was, like I can, I can still see what they were wearing. I still see the the layout of the house and that lot. 
I must have been about five. And I don't know how they ended up in the house together, but they were in the house together. And my mum was in the kitchen, she was ironing. And uh, my dad was in there and they were shouting. And I was like pacing, I remember I was like sweating, I was pacing, I was thinking I've got, I've got to do something, I've got to do something. And the next thing you know, you heard a massive bang and then it all went quiet. And he comes walking out of the kitchen, calm as anything. His lip was split down there and there was blood coming down his face. He said, I'll see you all soon. I've got to go. And then just walked out. Mm. And then my mum's like breathing heavy. And then she was standing there, I went in, are you all right? She was like, get out, get out. But I remember she had the iron in her hand. So she'd smacked him in the face mm. with the iron and it stopped him. Because I don't think she'd ever like retaliated mm. before which made him feel, I guess, more powerful yeah. as a man when you're trying to dominate yourself. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she smacked him in the mouth with an iron. How many years was it, do you reckon, as you were growing up, that you then realised, hold on a minute, I need to stop this. I need to do something about this. I need to go and find my old man and have a word of him. So it was a long, a long time. There was, there was this one time, because um, my family still live in London, yeah. and we used to go up and see them a fair bit. I just passed my test. I was... Uh, I was 17 when I passed, um, and I had a Ford Orion, a white one, and that was, I was really proud of it. I'd, I'd paid it off in the garage. Like they, do you know when you used to be able to give them cash every week? And then that was, so I got this Orion. It cost me like 1,500 quid or whatever it was. And uh, I was really proud of myself. And we went up to London, showed a family in that. And uh, I drove past this place, and it, it seemed familiar. I rung my mum up and said, Mum, I'm over this this place. I remember this church. I said, where is it? She said, your dad lives around the corner. And I said, what, whereabouts? So I drove round to his house. And I wanted to go knock on the door and just be like, you all right, Dad? Because as much as my dad was the way he was with my mum, I know that's like, that anger was to my mum. It wasn't to us. Yeah. So I thought, I always wanted a male figure. My mum got married again. He was a horrible man. He didn't like me because I was a spitting image of my dad. I'll get to that. And um, so I wanted, I, I yearned for my dad. I wanted to know what it would be like to have, all my friends had dads. Mm. You wanted that fatherly figure. I wanted yeah. someone that could show me yeah. how to be a man, yeah. you know? And that was like, that's what drove me. I wanted to not wanted to know, but I was too afraid to knock on the door. So I written this letter, um, a bit of paper in the car, I wrote a letter. And I shouldn't have read it. I shouldn't have read it. And uh, it's just a letter saying to Paul, yeah, to Paul Stansby, because his name is Paul Stansby as well. And um, I didn't even call him dad. I, d I had no reason not to call him dad. He never, he never didn't earn the role. Mm. He never done anything to me to stop me from calling him dad. Mm. I just wanted to hurt him, but I don't know why, because he never hurt me, hurt my mum. Emotionally, that is, affects you, mm. right? Mm. But for me, I still wanted to know who he was and why. You know, why did you do that? Like, I didn't understand why you'd want to hurt the woman that mothered your children. Mm. You know, you married her. I've heard you say you love her. Why would you punch her face in when you were angry? When something didn't go all your way, why would you punch her face in? Did you get to the bottom of that? Like I said earlier on when he said, uh, uh, you know, I saw him again with... And I asked him the question and he said, I'm not that person no more. What I've done in the past, I'm, I am sorry for, do you know? So he owned up to it. 
which I was shocked with. You know, there was no lie. It was straight talk. It was man to man, real talk. And he owned up to it. But at this time I wrote this letter and I posted it in the door, but I posted it in the neighbor's door and I didn't realize, I thought that was his house. Mm. And uh, it's quite a posh street. Mm. You know, my dad's got some, got some money. He's, mm. he's quite high up at BT and stuff like that. He's, He's a, he's a hard-working man, like a hard-working man. Is he still man. about today? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, years later, I left. I left, but I didn't feel like I was satisfied. I didn't feel like I'd got one up. I didn't feel like anything. I just felt like he needed to hear my anger for a, for a sec. Yeah. But I didn't realise how much it was going to damage him. You know, before you realise trauma, yeah, the things you do is in act of yeah. you being traumatized yeah. and you don't realize it and then you don't realize that your actions have consequences for other people that yeah. feel like that too and it's only now i understand that i don't know whether it's maturity i don't know whether it's my age but i know that now i am sorry for that letter mm. you understand what did you put in that letter i just told him he was a horrible man he um shouldn't have punched up mum he should have been a better dad he had some more kids as well, so that made me angry too. Mm. And he was really good with them. Re he's really good with them. Like, so good. So, as you're growing up then, how did it affect your life at school? Yeah, like I said to you, I've been at so many different yeah. schools. Listen, I'd never had a friend until I got, like, into my teenage years, you know? When you go into these primary schools and, and middle schools, because... London-wise, you have primary, middle, and an yeah, upper. Yeah. Like, down in the coast, where I live now, yeah. you've just got primary school and upper school. Yeah. You know? So, like, the primary school and middle school was hard, mate. I didn't even want to go. I couldn't connect with any adults because I thought all adults were the same, especially the male ones, yeah. you know? It was like, God, if I, if I say anything to him, yeah, he's going to whack me. Mm. And that's how, I, that's how I saw men. Do you know what I mean? And then... So, so for me, I wasn't very confident around men. I wasn't scared of them. I was wary. And I'm not, not scared of them because I'm a hard guy. Believe me, now I would rather walk away than choose violence. Yeah. But in the past, growing up, violence was my number one. Mm. And that's not me stating, yeah, that I'm hard. And I know you'll probably get comments on there going, I'd own him, I'd bully him in my ends and stuff mm. like that. I get it all the time. Yeah. Oh, he thinks he looks hard because he's got tattoos on his mm. face. There's a reason why I look like this, mm. you know? And it, it's it's not because I'm an hard guy, because I'm not. I can have a row, but I, I'm not a hard man. Do you know what I mean? So you, 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 you grow up not understanding what a male's role is in life. I know what a woman's role is, yeah. you know? My mum was a protector. Yeah. She was a provider. My mum went hungry so we could eat. Mm. She had holes in her clothes, so we had clothes. Do you know what I mean? She, she was the prettiest woman. Like, men, I'd see men falling all over her. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Trying to be with her. But she didn't want them. She was guarded. She, was, she didn't want another man, do you know? Mm. Uh, so what was, your, what was your world like after leaving school? What path did you take? A crime. Crime. Big crime. What sort of crime? Gun crime. Knife crime. You know, like, I, I, I fought hand-to-hand -hand with police. Like, I've, I've, you know, we've had, I've had scraps of police. I've done a bit of football violence. Um, collecting. 
I've done all, all, all sorts, car theft, all sorts. And where did that stem from? Did that stem from like your 15s, 16s, 17s, or did that stem a little bit later? So I, I yeah. So my mum ended up meeting this a new guy, yeah? Um, this guy was a horrible man, horrible, horrible man. But I think mum went with him because she thought my dad would be scared of him. Right, okay. But I've never seen my dad fear nobody. Yeah. Nobody. There's no man that can scare my dad. Mm. None. But he was a he's a, he's a soft guy. Mm. He's a kind guy. But he's an horrible guy. Do, do you understand what I, I mean? I totally understand. But normally what happens is they've been traumatised as a kid. I believe so. And that's why they are out to protect themselves. Big hard front, but deep down they're a little kid inside. But maybe. not an open man. No, he's okay. not an open man. So I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I don't know. And I wish I'd knew more about... Because trauma affects everybody. There's yeah. not a single person in this world that hasn't got trauma. Yeah. And because of that, people don't understand that. And because of that, we've got suicide. We've got, yeah. you know, self-harming. We've got overdoses, drugs. We've got it all because men choose not to see yeah. the real effects of what's happening to them. Trauma, yeah. you know? Or men don't want to talk about it. 100%. 100%. That's the thing, yeah. 100%. Mm -hmm. You know? And uh, so... My mum my met this horrible geezer, and because I looked like my dad, he hated me. And where were you based then when your mum met him? Were you at Sudbury. We was in a women's refuge in Sudbury. Sudbury, North London? Uh, or Sunbury? Well, you'd call it Sunbury, but it's Sud it, it was Sudbury. Okay. Yeah, so Sunbury is North London, isn't it? Sunbury is sort of southwest, and Sudbury, I think, is north, more north. Now, I, I grew up in Sudbury. Okay. Yeah, which is next to Great Cornard. Right, okay. Which is like, um, I think that comes under Essex. Right, okay. I think it falls under so Essex. So you've been moving around all these schools. It's hard to meet mates when you're moving in and 100%. out of schools. You're thinking, hold on, I've got no community around me or a bunch of boys to have a laugh with or whatever. You must have felt really isolated at times. Mate, uh, we, we grew up, yeah, there was me, my brother and my two sisters. They were my friends. Yeah. So anyone outside of that, we didn't let in. Yeah. And because of that, we grow up. I can see the effects of that with my sisters. Mm. Because with my sisters, they struggle to have a group of friends. Yeah. Because if like them two go out for lunch or something and she's not invited, she feels like they've left me. Yeah. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. I see it, they don't. Mm. And I say to them, you really struggle with having friends. Mm. You know what I mean? And I see it and I try and talk to them, but they're like, no. You know, and they, they'll end up arguing and falling out of them. Yeah. Me, I've got, I've got friends falling out all over the place. Yeah. You know, I've got associates all over the place. You know, yeah. I, I really can connect with people mm. now. You know, I want to go back to the crime. When did the crime start? So, when my mum, I, I took years of abuse off this geezer my mum was with. Abuse is in physical abuse physical, or mental. Yeah, both. Okay, both, both. I and took, what age were you when you were getting physically abused by this new so-called? Not stepdad, but or your mum's fella. I reckon I was about seven, eight years old. Wow. Seven, eight years old. Okay. And we we grew up with him in in and out of women's refuges. And he, we, when we'd be moving, if we needed a move, my mum would go back into the women's refuge. They'd rehouse us. He'd he'd then come along later on. Yeah. So every time they'd split up, they were on, off, on, yeah. off, on, off. Yeah. And um, he'd come with us all the time, and he absolutely destroyed me, mate. Destroyed me. He used to pin my legs over my head until I couldn't breathe no more. He used to like pick me up and slam me on the floor because he used to be into wrestling and all that mm. lot and he wanted a play fight with yeah. me. But it, everything that he done to me was actual like physical assault, you know, like he really twisted me up, mate. Mm. And he was six foot, six foot three. Yeah. Big guy, big unit guy. 
not muscle fat. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But he was a he was a stocky guy. Yeah. And um, how many years was it? She was with him until she split, and then you went, "Hold on a minute, I want to get my own back." Did you ever think I want to get my own back? And you oh yeah, day? yeah. How old were you when the, were you thinking that? Not far off when my mum got with him. Okay. You know, I, I snuck into the room. I was going to end him. Mm. I was I was a young kid, and I stuck into the room when he was asleep. I figured out the floor plan, everything. But I went in there, yeah? I, I went in there to smack him over the head and, and just end him whilst he was asleep. I figured out the floor plan in, in my mum's house, yeah? Right the way around, all the squeaky floorboards, everything. I worked my way around the bed, yeah? And I was right there where he was asleep. And I was gonna, I was gonna smash him over the head and then just run back into my bedroom like it never happened. Mm. And um, I was like shaking mm. and he rolled over rolled over it sounds funny but he farted burped whatever it was and I just freaked out and ran out yeah because yeah, I thought oh he's going to catch me and if he catches me yeah. I'm not going to be quick enough to end because if I hit him and I don't get him right he's going to wake up and then I'm, I'm in yeah. for it yeah. I wish I'd have done it mm. there now I'm glad I didn't with what I know now yeah. do you know what I mean yeah. um, but well, at that must time have been properly abusive to be thinking that at the age of nine mate I, Listen, like, this this was right away throughout. I had many times that I thought to myself, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go I'm and gonna do, do this geezer. Yeah. Yeah. What age did he leave? How old were I was you when about he left? I was about eleven when he left. Okay. Tell me your route. Tell me your route, 15, 16, 18, 19, 20, 21 of the crime. Where did the crime start? What did the crime lead on to? So when he'd left, mm. yeah, um, I was now the man of the house. My brother had moved out, he where well, he was in and out of prison. So I was now the man of the house and I took that role very seriously. Even as 11 years old, I was like, I need to protect. I plotted my house up, not my house, my yeah. mum's house. I plotted yeah. my childhood home up. I had screwdrivers next to the bed. Mm. I had one above the door frame. I had everything in case he come back, yeah. yeah? So now I'm starting to get this thing. And then of course, my mum's like, you're the man of the house now. So now I've got that. Do you know when you start yeah. getting that, I'm 11, but I feel like I'm a 20 stone yeah. warrior, yeah. do you know? Because I've been led to believe that. Mm. And then you start talking, these are my boys, yeah? And my brother was a bit of a face. So then my role models I'm looking up to are violent physical men, mm. you know? So then they're not getting bullied. They're not getting this six foot odd guy, yeah. twisting their legs up and bending them up. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I'm gonna be like these. Mm. So it started, I got in my first fight. I won it. Apparently this boy never cries, ever. And I made him cry. And at that time, I, I was rushed, mate. I was I was buzzed. And everyone started talking about it. And I was like, this is me. Mm. This is what I need to be. So this guy, when he comes back, I'll be ready for him. Mm. You know? So I, I started, it was, I just started like having fights all the time. Like I got expelled from school. I punched a teacher. Do you know what I mean? And it's all stuff that I should never have done. And normally I would apologise to everyone that I physically hurt, but that teacher deserved a smack in the mouth that mm. day. And if he ever watches this, I hope I hope he knows that I'm not sorry for doing that. <laughs> What's his name? Um, Mister. Um, I was a science teacher. I can't even remember his name. You know, <laughs> I wasn't even there long enough. But he grabbed me around the back of the neck, and that reminded me of. Yeah. An incident. Yeah. So I just turned around and smacked him in the mouth. Yeah. And um, I saw him I saw him about 10, 15 years later at Tesco's car park. Did he clock you? Oh, yeah, he, he clocked me. <laughs> Listen, I, I was driving um, a Land Rover Discovery at the time, quite a new one. Yeah. And I'd parked right out of the way so no other cars could open up and, and uh, dent my car. Yeah. And this little Cleo was driving around, banged up little Cleo, <laughs> driving around, parked right next to me. The whole car park, this guy parks next to me, yeah? 
And he gets out of the car and I'm thinking, this guy's strange, yeah? Mm. And he can walk across. And I was like, that's him. So as he's coming around the front, I get out of my car and I slam the door. So he turns and looks at me, yeah? Because he turned around and said to me, he goes, you're going to be nothing. And the only thing you're going to have is a cell for the rest of your life. So I got out, slammed the door. So he turns around and looks. I looked at him. He spotted me. I've looked at my car, looked back at him. I looked at his car and I went, not a bad prison cell, is it? <laughs> he turned around with his wife, got back in his car and left. <laughs> That, that was all I needed. Yeah. I just needed to be like, yeah, ha, yeah. I told you. Yeah, yeah, Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I told you. Roll back a little bit. You said your brother got banged up. What did he get banged up for? So he was fighting. A lot of his stuff was fighting, driving on a, like, no license, stuff like that, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, but most of his stuff is, was, was... And you mentioned football violence. What team? What team you said? Oh, there was nothing specific, mate. No. Like, wherever I'd move to, I'd, I'd move every sort of three odd years, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'd, I'd stumble across. I was never with a firm. Mm. And, and like... I'm I'm not a visible known one. Mm. I was just, if it was kicking off, I wanted get to get involved. involved yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it was like whoever was swinging, I was jumping <laughs> in with, do you know? It was, it was, there was no one specific. Obviously, you know, the odd, the, the, the known ones. Yeah. And it was like, you look up to them as well. And you just think to yourself, I, I need to be more like them. Mm. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? When you haven't got a mentor, a role model. You don't know where, you're, where going, you're going, man. You yeah. don't know where you're going. Because what, was your, what was your life like at 18 or 25, say? Oh, mate, mess. It's a mess. Like, I've always had a job. I've always worked. And I worked on building sites from a young age. I, I left school early, joined on the... I, I knew this Irish guy. And uh, he was like, you looking for work? And this was before tickets and everything was Roughly needed. Roughly what year were we talking here? Uh, I, was, I was about 15. So in, your ni in the 90s? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, so I worked for a, an Irish guy called Tony. And uh, I was working for Carts Construction as a subby and uh, Barnes Construction. I, I was I just got subbed out to these guys, and I loved it. I loved it. I didn't like it in the winter though. I didn't like building work in the winter. Man. <laughs> <laughs> so I was doing that. I was doing a bit of groundworks and stuff like that. And I, I was around men, and it was like that was like I used to love going to work because I was around people that I knew had problems too. Yeah. So when we were all at work, we was just lads having a laugh. Mm. And, you know, you'd, you'd see someone up on a scaffold and they'd whistle you and mm. they've got their trousers around their ankles mm. and they're doing a helicopter and yeah. stuff, you know. And you're yeah. like, oh, mate. So you were carrying a wheelbarrow of concrete. Next thing it's tipped over. We're just laughing, yeah. you know. Yeah. But other than that, work was the only stability I had. I was mm. with some horrible women, mate. Horrible women. And I think what it was, was... How were you around women? Um, I'm... I'm I, I was a very angry person. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm, I've never been physical with a woman. I've never been abusive to a woman. But if they was to argue with me, I'd, I'd, I'd argue back. Mm. And like, I am way, way beyond that now. If, if, if my missus, she, she's calm as anything. I can like, see it. She's here today. Yeah. She, she does <laughs> not argue at all. Yeah. yeah. So like, we'll go, I'll go, I'm not happy with that, babe. And she'll go, all right. I'm like, all right, cool. Okay. Yeah, cool. And that's it. That's the best that's way, that's right? Oh, mate, yeah. honestly, it yeah. really is. Where before, I'd be like wanting going at it. Yeah, yeah. I'd okay, be yeah. wanting to have an argument, yeah. you know, yeah. just so I could go out. Yeah. Yeah, so so like, if I wanted to go out and my friends were going out, I was with an older woman. Yeah. She wouldn't let me go out. She wouldn't let me go out to play. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she wouldn't yeah. let me go out to play. So, I, I, and it was like... Um, You'd rather have an argument so you can go, right, see you later, I'll see you in a couple yeah, of days. Yeah, get okay, out. Because yeah. yeah, older women, they kick you out. Yeah. They don't tell you to stay. Like, a younger girl will stand in front of the door and give you loads of grief. Yeah. You're not going out. You're staying here and yeah. you're going to argue with me. 
an older woman would boot you out. Yeah. Old school. Yeah. So tell me, what was the what was the abuse like for you? Were you abusing yourself? Drugs, drink? No. No, okay. No, drink, drink. I, yeah. I used to drink a lot. Um, not alcoholic status. Like, I'd just drink through the day, just yeah. like most people. Yeah. And and like at the weekends, I'd get ratted, you know what mm. I mean? And, mm. But drugs, I've never tried any drugs. Never no. drugs, never smoked, never nothing. My mm. brother, he used to do drugs. And my sister, they'd smoke weed and stuff. Yeah. But me, I was... I didn't go anywhere near drugs because the people that were around me, I had a lot of people around me that, that done drugs. Like my brother was a very heavy drug taker because he needed to run away from his demons. Yeah. And I believe when he was doing drugs, now you got to remember my brother was my dad. Mm. He was my, he was my everything. How many years older was he than you? Um, 10. Okay. 10. Yeah. Okay. So, so for, I think he's about seven, seven, eight years older than me. Mm. Yeah. But this guy was so grown. Do you know what I mean? He, he, I've never known him to be a kid. I've always known him to be a man. Do you know what I mean? Fashion, wicked. Everyone loved him. He was feared and he was loved all at the same time, you know? And um, he was a party animal. He had decks. He played decks. So he was like mixing up in clubs and yeah. you'd walk down the street and people would just bib and wave and they'd stop you, all right, Dean? And yeah. he's like, oh, yeah. like, hey, all the time. And uh, I loved it. Mm -hmm. I absolutely loved it. And he was everything to me. Like, we, we didn't always get on. You know, we'd be, because we were both alphas. Mm. You know, we had that, like, that... You're pissing me off, and I'll be like, You're pissing me off. Do yeah. you know what I mean? But never, not once, not once did we ever touch each mm. other. We didn't grab each other. We didn't nothing. We'd be like, Yeah, and then walk away. Mm. And then we didn't speak for like a couple of months or whatever. And then we'd see each other again, and it'd be like nothing happened. Do you know what I mean? But if it wasn't for him, yeah, which I didn't start connecting with him until I was in my teens, and I started becoming violent. Yeah. Yeah. And then my brother was like, That's my little brother. Yeah. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I I was noticed more because he was proud of me being a violent man. Yeah. My mum was proud of me being a violent man. Getting known, yeah? They're my boys. Yeah. A bit like Peggy and Phil Mitchell. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. these are my boys. Yeah, of course. You know? Or if someone said something to my mum, she'd turn around and say, um, do you know who my boys are? Yeah. You know? And and the more that me and my brother, like, if, if I ever went for a scrap, He'd always be there and vice versa. But we it'd never do two on one. Do you know, if there was another person there, my brother would take care. Yeah. I'd do my own thing. Do you know what I mean? And it was kind of like that. We it wasn't unfair guys. Were you were you looking for fights? Um when I was at school, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yes. I was I wanted to protect people. And there's some people at school that if someone else had started on them, they'd come and say, Paul, they're giving me grief. And I'd, I'd always look after the weaker person. Yeah. Um, I remember there's one guy, he, he's, he's died now. He was called Michael Agar. He was such a nice kid. <clears throat> and uh, there was this boy picking on him and he come running over to me because like, I wasn't an odd guy at school, but I definitely have a row. So like sometimes when, if, when you're at school, I'd never, like, if, if the artist guy wanted to have a go, I'd have a go. Even if I knew I was going to lose, I'd have a go. But it always played on their mind that they knew that they'd have a scrap off of me. Yeah. Where when you, sometimes the hardest person in school would whack someone, a lot of weak people to make their name. Yeah. So other people would be like, oh, yeah, you like a fight. I heard you had a fight. Yeah. And then you're known you're having a fight. And all of a sudden you become the hardest person in the school. Yeah. When all you've done is whack people that don't fight back. Yeah. So I was the one that, 
they didn't whack because they knew that they'd get it back and it would be a good one because I wouldn't give up. You know, I've had a six foot odd geezer tearing into me for years, mm. like a man. Mm. Like, ain't no kid at school's gonna be able to do any anything to me yeah. that I ain't gonna be able to come back for. If I could, if I could come back and stand up still, like it it do me. The, the the geezer would twist me up and hurt me, and I'd still stand tall, yeah. still stand there, like looking up at him, lips shivering, just yeah. staring at him, like. You know, and yeah. he'd say, what are you looking at? And he'd push my head down again, like, and I'd stand back up and I'd stand there with my arms beside myself, my fists tense, you know what I mean? I'd be standing there just, yeah, you know? And he didn't like it. Mm. He didn't like it. Have you met that fella since being an adult? So it's a weird one, right? So I was, I was in a house and uh, I saw this car go by. And I always vowed I was going to shoot this geezer when I saw him because he was a football nut, yeah? And I, I vowed to myself, if I ever see him, I'm going to shoot him, yeah? I'm not going to shoot him in the body. I'm just going to shoot him in the legs, yeah? Because he tormented me with football. He'd stand me in a goal, kick balls in my face, like full pelt. You know, I'd have to save him. If Every goal that went in, I was, I was grounded another day. Mm. So I had to save all these balls. One time, he smacked me with a ball. I got concussion and everything. And I said, I'm going to take away what he loves, yeah? Because he took away my childhood. Mm. He took away my childhood. And uh, I said, one day I'm going to shoot him. And uh, I knew it in my head I was going to. And I'll tell you what, this car drove around and I was standing in the front garden doing, um, doing stuff in the garden on a car. This car came around, I saw him. My heart sunk, yeah, because this geezer looked like him. Mm. Yeah, my heart sunk. And my belly started going, we had never felt that before. And at this time, I was already an established. I was established, you know, I was like fighting all the mm. time, yeah. So I was ready for a tear up. And he come round, and it was like I was a kid again. I stood there like, trying to be tough. And I, I froze, I froze. The first time I've ever froze in my life, mm. I froze. I didn't know what to do. And he's come past and he smiled. And I just nodded at him. And he drove away. And then he went round the block and come back and pulled up and goes, are you all right? And he got out of the car and I, I swear he was bigger than that when I was a mm. kid. I swear he was a monster. But now he's just a fat bloke standing in front of me. <laughs> and I thought, I had a screwdriver in my hand. I thought I'd just stick him in the neck quick. And then I heard loads of kids running around outside and I was like, I can't let them see that. Mm. Or was I just making excuses to not do it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I don't, I don't put myself, I don't portray myself as, as a somebody. Mm. Yeah, but I just don't give up, you know? And I thought I'd stick him in the neck. And then I heard the kids and that lot. And he, he um, I had a dog, a little puppy. It was my brother's, he used to breed dogs. and. He give me one and uh, he goes, is that yours? And I went, yeah. And he went, what's its name? I said, Rasta. And he goes, is it for sale? And I went, yeah. And he goes, how much? I went, 600 quid. He goes, pulled 600 quid out of his pocket, give it to me. And he took the dog and I was like, it's gone. He took, my, he took the dog. Yeah, he gave me the money and he yeah. had the dog, yeah. Well, okay. And he was with another geezer as yeah. well. And uh, he had tattoos on his arms, mm. like he had it all on his arms and that lot. And he took the dog and my brother come around and goes, where's Rasta? I went, Andrew's got him. He goes, what do you mean Andrew's got him? He said, Andrew's got him. He, he gave me 600 quid for it. And he goes, and my brother went mental. Yeah, he right. went mental. He goes, I gave you that dog and you yeah. sold it. He wanted the dog himself and he mm. gave it to me because, you know, I'm his little brother. Mm. And he took it, and I don't know why I sold it to him. I didn't want to sell it to him, but I don't know something what- Something come over Something you. was, yeah. he, I just yeah, yeah. let him take it. And I, I, and 
And now he, he would never be able to do that now. Mm. If he turned up now, it's on. Mm. Yeah. But like then I just went back to being a kid again. And I don't understand what happened to me. I still mm. can't explain it now. I can't yeah. explain like, because that's not me. Yeah. That's not me. There's no way that man can bully me no more. But it's the fear of freezing. Oh, mate, I don't know what, yeah. I just froze. Yeah. Only person has ever done it, mm. I froze. I wouldn't freeze now. Tell me your relationship with your brother Dean over the years as it, it come, coming into your 30s and stuff. Oh, he was the man. Yeah. He was the man, mate. So my brother was dressed, he always had like, do you know, Ralph Lauren shirt, yeah. sound like YSL shirts, yeah. you know, when they were the Ben yeah, Sherman yeah. ones, he had them. He had jeans on, dreads. Brothers mixed race. He had dreads and that lot. And uh, he was a short man. Yeah, short man. But a powerful man, mm. you know. He had presence. Proper alpha male. You wouldn't think that for a midget, like, you know. He was mm. he was a very small man, but a powerful, powerful man. And uh, I wanted to look like him. So I was like 11, 15, 18, wearing shirts. And people were looking mm. at me like, everyone else is wearing T-shirts and shorts and vests. I'm, mm. I'm in the baking sun and a Ralph Lauren shirt and a pair of trousers, you know, like, we used to get a Ralph Lauren shirt, knock off, because nice. down the docks, yeah, yeah, yeah the docks yeah. had them all in, so the handballers <laughs> used to go and, go and take them, and then we'd, we'd be buying them all for like nothing, you mm. know, so, yeah, I had that, and, yeah, he was just, he was just everything, you know, my brothers, I walked down the road, I feel like a king, because he was, everyone, everyone knew him, everyone knew him, and anyone that was a somebody, that went up against my brother, lost. Yeah, They lost, everyone spoke about him. You know, in the 90s, he was he was a king, mm. he was powerful. And then, you know, it, he, he taught me how to shave. Not that it was any good now, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> I had whiskers and he turned around and said to me, he goes, Paul, come with me. I went, what? He goes, come on, come up. I went up to the bathroom, put some shaving foam in his hand. I went, what's that for? I said, don't put it in my face. Mm. He goes, no, I'm gonna put it on your face. He goes, come here, I'm gonna teach you how to shave. I was like, I don't need a shave. He goes, look at his cat whiskers. And he pulled them. I was like, made my eyes water. I pulled them. He's like this. And he proper pulled them as well. So we said in there, he goes, no, he goes, don't. He goes, Paul, you look stupid. Let me let me teach you. So he taught me how to shave. Never, he never cut me mm. nothing. Like I, I never cut, like the way he taught me, I never cut myself shaved. You know, some people, they yeah, cut yeah, themselves. Yeah. Never, ever. Like it was, that was him. Tell me, tell me the years leading up to that horrific day in 2017. So... My brother um, was in Colchester, and he'd had a he'd had a scrap with. Um, there, he was out with some friends, and uh, uh, this mixed mixed race boy he'd got targeted by a couple of lads, and uh, he'd uh, they started smacking him up. My brother's come out of the club, saw him on the floor. My brother's gone out there, weighed these two guys in, and um, another the other guy ran off, um, but it was all caught on CCTV, and. Uh, because of that, he went to jail for it. He got three years, done a year and a half. But whilst he was in there, his missus finished with him and all that, she couldn't do it, she couldn't wait. Um, he, so he was all upset. And uh, he was a party animal, raver. Mm. You know, he said he'd done decks, done festivals, done all of that. He's popped some pills, smoked some weed, hash at the time mm. it was. Yeah, done hash and all that lot. And um, he was sharing a cell with a geezer and the geezer was a crackhead. And my brother's upset, he's crying. And uh, he told me this, because I said to him, like, like, why did, what made you start? Like, when was your first time? And he told me, and a little heart to heart we had once when we were both homeless. And uh, he said, this geezer in my cell was doing some crack. 
And he said, this will help you stop the pain. Try some, he goes, nah, nah, I'm not doing none of that. And Geese uh, was going on and on. And my brother jumped up, grabbed him, and he goes, Dean, I promise you, it's gonna help you. It'll help you sleep tonight. So my brother did it. And uh, he said, from that point on, he was lost. Wow. He said the buzz was so intense that it made him feel like he was back in the womb. Mm. He said he just, he, the way he described it to me, I got goosebumps. He said, he goes, Paul, he goes, and he closed his eyes, he goes, it was like I was just back in a womb. And he goes, I was so warm and I just, I just rolled up on the bed and I went to sleep and I was just looking at him and I could see his body and I could oh. see how he surrendered to this. Yeah. The most powerful man that I know mm. had surrendered to this tiny little piece of crack. Mm. And he just, he was gone. You can see him, he, you can see him, that whole feeling that you had. I had goosebumps because I felt it. Yeah. Without doing the drug, I felt it. And I understand why he, what he was chasing from that point on. But I didn't understand the addiction. Mm. What, year, what year was he in, Nick? Um, roughly, roughly. Couldn't tell. I, I, I suffer with number displacer. Yeah. So, like, dates and stuff, it's really yeah, hard okay. to, to throw okay. out there, you know? So, so I, don't, I don't want to get that wrong, yeah, do you yeah. know what I mean? So when you come back out then... Where were you on that fatal day? Yeah. I, was, I was at work tattooing. I was tattooing. Well, I'll tell you, it was the strangest thing, man. Like, like my mate had finished work, yeah? He'd had a stressful day. He, um, I'd had a fairly good day at work, do you know what I mean? It was like I had some good people in. It was a bit of a buzz, you know? I was... I was like looking forward to going home with me with Bird, you know what I mean? Like going, going chill out with her. I think we were going to go out that night somewhere, I don't know, Colchester or something. Mm. And uh, I was I was tattooing this girl. My mate had a really bad day and he's rung me up and he's gone, oh, I've had a day, like it's really bad. I said, mate, just chill out, go home, go and, go and have a bath or mm. something, you know what I mean? He's, he's, he's got, he goes, all right, I'm going. He goes, I don't want to talk. I said, all right. And then he sends me a photograph of... Um, the bridge where he goes home, the bus goes, police everywhere, tape cornered off in that lot. And he goes, great, just my luck. He goes, he goes, look at all of this lot. And I said, why, what's going on there? He's gone, ah, oh, probably another crackhead's been killed or something, yeah? And I was like, I was like, oh, I said, that's mad. See what you can find out, yeah? And then he goes, and then he, he goes, oh, now it's going to take me even longer to get home because I've got to go around the long way. And uh, I was like, all right. But before that happened, before he rung me up and told me, I was tattooing this lady, yeah? And at the exact time my brother was stabbed, yeah, I had this horrible pain, yeah? Honestly, I had this horrible pain like it happened to me. Yeah, I broke out in this sweat. I felt like I was going to pass out. The lady turned around and say, she said, do you want a minute? I said, please. And for about 15 minutes, I was just, my, I was just hot sweat, sweating. I was shaking. I didn't know why. And then I had a can of drink, drunk this can of drink, fizzy to try and get my, because I thought it might have been my sugars or mm. something, but this pain was horrendous. But it was like up here. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like in this area, it was up here. And then we just cracked back on. Tattooing away. Carried on. I went to um, after work. Didn't think nothing of it. He's gone home. Never heard that it was my brother or nothing. I went. Uh, I went to go and see my daughter because I got I got a child with another woman, another horrible woman, and uh, I dropped her off. I'd gone to the petrol station. My mum's called me up. 
you never heard a sound like that before. Never heard a sound like that before. She's screaming down the phone, crying, screaming, deep, weird, weird feeling. They got him. They got him. My baby, they've got him. So what are you going on? So calm down. She was I'm in the petrol station. The geezer's looking at me like, get off your phone. I'm like looking at him like, wait a minute, yeah? Mm. And he's like, she goes, he's dead, he's dead. I went, who's dead? She went, Dean's dead, they've got him. And I went, what do you mean? I said, how do you know? She goes, the police are here. And she's screaming. I hear the house is being smashed up. I hear everything, get out of my house, get out of my house. Baby, they got him, they got him. So then I go, all right, I'm coming. I'm coming. Yeah, I said, don't kick them out. I need to speak to them. Yeah, I'll get in the car. I'm going across the petrol station. The guy's on the monitor. Can you please get off your phone? He was Indian. Mm. Can you please get, get, get out? Say, yeah? It's Welsh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, get off your phone. My mate can do wicked accents. Yeah. Get off your phone. And I was like, I was like, fuck off. You know what I mean? I, I, I got to my van. I'm like, I said, Mum, I'll be there in a minute. She goes, hurry, hurry. And I was like, I am. I rung up my missus and I went, babe, I'm going to my mum's. Dean's dead. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know whether it's true. I, I, think, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know nothing. And she's like, all right, let me know. I was like, all right, put the phone down on her. I rung up Jamie and I went, Jamie, who was it that got killed today? Yeah. And she, he went, I don't know. I said, I think it's Dean. I think it's Dean. He's like, you're joking me. I said, no. I said, oh, I'm going to mum's now. I'll let you know. And then I hung up the phone and I'm driving. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm panicking. I could feel my, my chest is just beating, beating, beating. So I'm driving towards the motorway and like, as I'm driving towards the motorway, I didn't know what to do. So I just, I was just grabbing hold of the steering wheel. I was just grabbing it and I started screaming like, top of ah, ah, like screaming I nearly passed out I was driving I was like I started going like all over and I'd, I'd calm myself down I got myself right and then I'd, from this point on I'm now in game mode like it's not sure if it's reality yeah. or whether a, a dream yeah. and it's not a good one yeah so I'm I'm on my way to my mum's. It's about a fifteen minute drive from Ipswich to Felixstowe. I turn up. There's no police cars outside the house, so I'm like, Has my mum just gone nuts or something? I walked in, there's two coppers standing in there. They've looked at me and one of the coppers knew me from a child because they've her and her husband have nicked me and my brother for years. For all sorts of violence mm. and stuff. Lovely lady though. Lovely lady. Because sometimes when they nicked us, they just dropped us home. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, you're coming with us, get in a car. And they took us home. They were decent coppers, not the horrible ones, mm. you know? And uh, I looked at her and now they're like worried because like, I've gone toe to toe with police and stuff. Do you know what I mean? And, and I'm staring at them. And the other geezers don't know who we are. There's like a man and a woman. Only the woman knew us, but the man didn't. And... I've looked at him because he's the man, right? So I've looked at him. But she knows that I'm talking to her. Mm. And I went, is it true? And he's like, blase, you know, like, yeah, it's true. I said, I'm not talking to you. Mm. 
And she goes, Paul, it's true. I said, how do you know? She just, she went, she went, it's him. And I went, that was definitely him because she had an emotional attachment to yeah. him. She'd, she'd seen us growing up. Mm. Do you know what I mean? She'd nicked us for years. So she'd seen how we were progressing. Mm. We'd been in her life most of her career, mm. you know? And we was always nice to her and her husband, Scott. Real nice guy, you know? When did you find out actually why he was attacked, when he was attacked, what reasons this Half happened? ten at night. Yeah. Half ten at what night. What were you told? They turned around, well, I say half ten at night. Listen, they turned up to my mum's house at half past ten at night. My brother was killed at half past five, quarter six. So he was stabbed at half five, quarter six in daytime traffic. Yeah, he was going to school. Yeah, I found out all of this the next day. Yeah, in the morning. Yeah, so basically my brother used to get his drugs. He was a functioning drug addict. Yeah, he'd have a job, he'd be able to work, but he'd done so much crack over his time, he needed to stay on it to be able to just yeah. get by his day, yeah? yeah? If he weren't on it, he was he was, he was mad. He, you could see he was like hurting. He had a lot of damage to him, yeah. do you know what I mean? I, I was a baby when all this stuff happened to me. He was grown, yeah. like 10 years more mm. than me grown. So he experienced it a different way to me that affected him more mentally. Mm than me because he could never understand like if someone done something it was their fault mm. he couldn't he couldn't say that well that's happened because i made it or allowed it to happen you couldn't take responsibility for that and i think that was not being able to manage yeah. the way that he was manifest manifesting his, yeah. his emotions yeah, yeah. You know, and because he was a man's man, yeah. he wouldn't talk. Yeah. He couldn't talk because he yeah. wouldn't want anyone to think he was weak. So he suffered. When did you find out exactly what happened that night? So, did you? Did someone say to you he was attacked by three men, four men? Where was it? This happened. This happened. And when you found it out, how did that make you feel? Then were you thinking revenge? Who are they? What was going through your mind? Mate, as soon as I walked in, as soon as I found out, I walked into the petrol station, I got the call. Yeah, revenge was on my mind, one hundred percent, without a doubt. Yeah, you've touched my family, and I, I, and you didn't just touch him, you killed my brother. You killed the man, yeah? That made me who I am. You're, you're, you're dead, yeah. you're 100% dead, without a doubt, without a doubt. So I knew that I was gonna kill this geezer that's killed my brother. I'm thinking it's just one guy. I didn't know it was four, mm. you know, until I got to the police, until the next day. So I've gone home, and I'm, I'm there, my mum's smashed up, I've walked in, she's smashing up the house, she's going, no, screaming, screams that you, you'd never even hear, mm. ever, unless it happens to mm. your mum. And I hope, I pray that nothing ever happens to your family the way it has mm. this. And my mum's come down, it's my boy here, she's come down, she took one look at me, she goes, make sure they suffer, because they all know what I'm gonna do. Yeah. Make sure that they suffer. Your old dear was saying that to you? My mum, yeah. Do you find out who they were and where they lived? The next morning. Okay. The next morning. 7 a.m. the next morning. 7 a.m. Who told you? The guy that witnessed it in okay. the car. The police didn't even understand how I was getting the information. Listen, social media is a curse, but it's also a blessing. Mm. Yeah, because... And what year are we talking? It's just 2017, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So... This was in the peak traffic, yeah? This happened. My brother's gone down to this new drug line. He's guy who he normally gets the drugs off, got raided the day before, had all his stuff took off him. And my brother normally stays with his source. Mm. 
he needed a new source. My nephews took him to up to Ipswich, dropped him off at the train station. He's gone down to go and get drugs from this guy. But my brother didn't know that this drug line had been tipped off, that they were going to get robbed. Mm. So my brother was a new face to the line. Mm. So they thought that my brother was there to rob him. But he was just there to pick up a, right. some crack. Do you know what I mean? Right, okay. So they, he was waiting, waiting outside the gate, about one and a half minutes away mm. from the house. Wait around the corner, that's where we drop off. They've come down, four, three of them. Three of them come down. One of them was on the phone. Two of them were walking down with him and then they started fighting. Mm. My brother's scrapping back. So he's having, he's having it with them. It was on one side of the road. My brother was like hitting them as they were coming towards him. They were swinging, my brother was swinging. He had crossed the road. He was, you know, when you were fighting, you, you're fighting backwards. So you're walking backwards, leaning forwards. Mm. Yeah. And that's what it was. And then it, there was zigzagging across the road um, in peak traffic on a set of traffic lights. So there's cars all over and these guys are fighting. Mm. And then my brother was walking backwards. They're on the road and he'd tripped on the curb going backwards. So as he went down, the guy that was behind the guy that was fighting my brother at mm. the phone stabbed him whilst he was on the floor. As soon as he went down, the guy come in, stabbed him, then they all ran off. This was in front of this guy's car. And uh, my brother jumped back up, like after he'd been stabbed, he jumped back up. The geezer's wound down his window and said, are you all right, mate? And my brother's gone, like, stuck his thumb up, mm. yeah. And then as he's gone past his car, he just fell. Yeah. He just went down. And uh, there was one stab wound in the lower stomach near the belly button. And it went, it gave him a paper cut on his main artery. And he bled in. So there was no blood. No one knew that he'd been so he stabbed. Bled inter he bled internally. He bled internally. Jesus. But he's, his body had released so much blood so fast yeah. that he ended up having a heart attack. Mm which contributed to his death, you know. But there was a man there, and uh, he was just a teacher. I think he was a, a science teacher, a German teacher, from a school locally, mm. walking home from work. And there's a guy laying on the floor. He'd mm. seen the argument, he saw the fight, and then my brother said to him, I think I've been stabbed, I think I've been stabbed. And he's, the guy's laying on the floor with my brother, he's holding him. And he's trying to look, lifting up his top, trying to look. He goes, you haven't been stabbed. He goes, I have, I have. And then he just went silent. And then my brother had passed away. The ambulance turned up, got him in the ambulance, tried to bring him back, got him to hospital. I ended up talking with a guy that tried to save his life, the surgeon. And he said they put like nine liters of blood in him. He just weren't holding it. And they said, um, we had to call it, it died. Um, yeah. What was your movements after you knew that he died regarding the three or four, was it three or four men? Four. The four men, are you thinking, right, I'm getting revenge? So, first of all, I had to find out who was it. I was still assuming it was just one person. I had to find out who it was. Someone rung me the next morning. I was out, yeah? So, for me, I needed to trace my brother's life, yeah? So... I need to go and find all the people that are going out, drug dealers that are out selling crack that yeah. time in the mornings because everyone, you get the text message breakfast, mm. yeah? So breakfast is like crack, mm. white and brown for mm. anyone that's looking for it. Mm. It's around that time in the morning. So I'm out. 
six o'clock I'm in the town centre waiting for these people to come out, the homeless people, the crackheads, the drug dealers. So I'm waiting around. I didn't know where to look because I've not, I'm not a drug person. Yeah. I've not been around it. I've, I've been around people that do drugs, but I don't know where you get it yeah. from. Do you know what I mean? So I'm in the town centre, ready. I'm ready to go. I'm tooled up. I'm all good. Let's go, yeah? And then I get a phone call from this woman who lives over Chantry Way, and she says, my friend's son saw it. He was in the car. He spoke to your brother after it happened. I said, what? Give me his number. She gave me his number. I'm ringing him, ringing him. He's, he's got up. I said, are you all right, mate? How are you doing? I said, I'm Dean Stansby's brother. He went, who's that? I said, the guy yesterday who was killed in front of your car. He went, oh, mate, I'm so sorry. I said, did you see it? Or he said, yeah. I said, I said, do you know who it was? He said, no. I said, do you mind if I give your number to the police? Yeah, so they can contact you to, to know who it was that done it because I thought the police would be able to get it. This yeah. geezer's going to get arrested. I know his family. I'll start tag yeah. targeting the family. Someone's going to pay for this, yeah. yeah? So he was like, nah, nah, do it. He goes, at first he was like, nah, I... I don't think I can, brother. My missus, like, she's scared. She saw it. She was pregnant at the time. Like, she'd witnessed this. And um, he was like, my missus, don't. I said, look, mate. I said, imagine if this was your brother and I saw it. Mm. What would you do? Mm. And he went, he goes, all right, give him my phone number. The missus is in the background. She's like, no, don't do it. And he goes, babe, I've got to. So I got the number. I rung up Pauline, the copper that come. I said, I've got a number. She was my liaison officer at first. And uh, I said, I've got a number. She goes, how have you done that? I said, I've, I've got my ways, but I've got a phone number. He told me to give it to you. You've got to call him. She was like, okay, what are you doing? I said, you know what I'm doing? She goes, Paul, don't be stupid. Leave it to us. I said, no chance. And I said, here's the phone number. I've got to go. And uh, hung up. So now all these started coming out. Mm. Yeah, so I'm going up to him. Do you know my brother? He went, yeah. I said, did you hear that he's, he's been killed? They went, what, Dean? Tattoo Dean. And I was like, yeah. They went, no. And I could see they were like, no. So I could tell through body language yeah. which ones were friends and which ones yeah. weren't. Yeah. And it was like, no. And there's a, a, a guy called Terry Forrester. He's, he's a homeless guy. He's nuts. He's lovely, lovely guy. And they wouldn't mind me saying his name. And uh, he was like, I'm going to see what I can find out for you. And he talked to everybody. So I had him now. I've got him out going to see mm. what he can find out because he loved Dean. Dean mm. looked after him. Do you know what I mean? And uh, so I've got all these people out. I'm, it's an, I'm grabbing the people that, as soon as I saw someone that wasn't like, what, Dean, yeah? And I could see it Spot, on his face. Yeah, 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 I could see it. Straight away, it was like, that serves him right. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Grab him up, dragged him in the H&M doorway because mm. it was like set back. Drag him in an HMN doorway, give him a couple of digs. I said, what do you know? He goes, I don't know nothing. He goes, stop, stop, stop. I said, I don't know. Because he needed crack, yeah, yeah he's feeling everything. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, listen, it might come across I'm a bit of a bully. Yeah, at this point, yeah, but I don't care because I wanted information. I needed to find out. And anybody that was in my shoes would have done exactly the mm -hmm. same thing. And um, I've cracked him out a couple of times, you know, to try and find out some, some thing. He give me some names. I've then gone. As the day got on, yeah, more people were talking about it. It started getting out. Next thing, names started dropping. Mm. I got a name. They said, Tequin Parker. I said, who's Tequin Parker? They went, Tequin Parker's Gwen's brother. I went, Gwendolyn? Yeah, they were, yeah. Gwen was a, a street girl. 
yeah? And her and her boyfriend, I'd looked after for years. Like, they needed food, I'd give them food. They needed sleeping bags, I went and bought them sleeping bags. Like, they had, it was raining, I bought them a tent, I'd give them a tent, I'd give them everything. And her brother has killed my brother. What, what, wow. what, what, what world are we living yeah, in, like? Yeah. And, and I'm like, are you serious? Like, yeah. So I rang up Pauline, I said, do you know a Tequin Parker? She goes, I've heard of him. And I went, where's he live? Just chancing, she knows me, she's gonna tell me. Yeah, we, we go way back. Mm. She wouldn't tell me nothing. Mm. But then that's her job, I understand that mm. now. At first I was like, fuck you yeah. bit, you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. like, nah, I'm not having none of it. So I was now out looking for Tequin Parker. And then when I got Tequin's name, got I, got, I got Daniel another, Giganda's another, name. Okay. I was like, who the hell is Daniel Giganda? They're like, he's a Somalian from London. I was like, where's he live? They go, he's at a cuckoo down the road, yeah? Cuckoo is a place where you mm. sell drugs out of, yeah? I went, where's the cuckoo? He goes, down the road. So I've got the address, I've kicked the door in, I've gone in, don't know what's on the other side, don't know anything, I've gone in. There was no one in there, nobody. The house had been abandoned, it's gone. I said, where is anyone that's in here? Because there there was it was flats. I said, where's the person that lives here? They go, they're not here, they don't come back. They go away for weeks on ends and then, and then eventually they come back. Mm. So now I'm, I'm lost again, I don't know where I'm at. I got given another name. Found out where this guy lives, yeah? And um, Jason, his name slipped me. And I don't know why his name always slips me because he was the sneaky one that was on the phone, do you know what I mean? The fourth one, I didn't know who it was. The fourth one was the guy on the phone to mm. the other guy. Mm. So there was three guys at the time, but the fourth guy was on the phone. Mm. Told him, kill him. So the guy on the phone goes, he said, kill him. So then they killed him. Yeah. You know, so I don't know who that was yeah. until we got arrested. The police had to do their work on that. I had a name. It was a nickname. I had that nickname. Did you manage to get hold of any of these lads before they got nicked? So, um, one of the guys um, ended up getting stabbed twice. Mm. Um, I don't know who done that. I never got arrested for it. I never got questioned for it. But somebody stabbed him twice, um, left him where he was to, to die. Mm. Um, he then got took to the hospital. Um, and I found out that he was still alive. And I said, how is this this crackhead, skinny man, like how has he survived being stabbed twice? But my brother who got stabbed once, a powerful guy, mm. died. Like how has this guy survived? And uh, I went up the hospital to find him because I was gonna slit his throat. But there was police everywhere. You know what I mean? Police everywhere. I've, got, I've gone up the hospital and I, I'm like, I know a lot of people up the hospital. I said, is there, is there someone in here with a load of police and stuff? They said, oh, there's, there's a guy down there. They didn't know my brother had just been mm. killed. I said, there's police down there. I said, oh, good, I've got to speak to the police. So I've gone down there to, to get him, finish him off from what somebody else done to him. And uh, police were everywhere, mate. I, mm. I couldn't get anywhere near him. So like, what are you doing down here? I said, oh, nothing. I've come pick my friend up for work. They was like, yeah, who is it? And my friend was walking down. Mm. He was a porter. I went, are you ready? He goes, yeah, mate. Because he seen my face. Mm. I said, are you ready? He goes, yeah, mate. I said, coming in. And he goes, Paul, I'm at work. I said, you're going to have to come with me, mate. You're going to have to come with me. I said, please come with me. Gets in the car with me. 
I drive around the back of the hospital and I said, nice one, mate. He gets out, goes back to work. Mm. I go off. But I, I, I was, I, I'd set out to, mm. to slit his throat. When you look back now, you look back at these times and the, the times that you could have gone and slit his throat or smashed your, 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 your mum's husband over the head and got rid of him. You, do you look back now and think, thank God I didn't do that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that, that's not come f without learning how to, to deal with being a man, being, I had to find out, I had to dig deep to find out who I was. And I'd never have found that out if it wasn't for the trauma. So I'm, I, I, I went from a very violent person that, you know, was a tattoo artist that was just doing, my answer was violence. And I didn't know who I was. I knew I, I knew now that I didn't know who I was then. Mm. And I was the person that everyone else wanted me to be. Mm. So I'm at a, the worst time in my life. Yeah, my brother's been murdered. I've gone to find four people to kill him. Mm. And I'm, I was capable mm. to go and kill these people. I'm capable to go and do this. No problem. Yeah, because my family, my family mm. said, make sure you Dude, get them. Yeah. I can't let my family down. Yeah. I, I can't let my family down and I can't let my brother down. Because if I kept thinking, if this was the other way around, I know my brother would have mm. gone. I know they would have been dead. I know it. So when they all got arrested and I couldn't get to them, I tried to get to them whilst they were in prison. I made a call in prison, you know, bounty on the head, go and do your thing. But there was a police had put a phone on the landing and they recorded everything. Mm. And I, the police rung me up, said, I need to come and see you. I know that you've put a hit out in jail. I need you to sign this bit of paper. Um, they said, if you don't sign this paper, we've got to press charges. Mm. And I was like, uh, and basically the bit of paper said that I, I understand that I've done what I've done and that um, I will make no further attempts. And if I do, I would be charged for that offense yeah. as well as another offense. Yeah. So I, was, I signed the treaty paper. Was the first time that you saw them in court? Yeah. What was that feeling like you're looking up there? Mate, when you're, when you're there and you've got this on your head, you have to kill, I want to kill. Yeah, and you've got all of this lot with the anger, with love, with I'm, I'm, I'm hurting as well, you know? I've lost it all. And I'm left now with not being able to, I've let my brother down. I've let my family down. So that's going through your head as well. Mate, I've, I've, Jesus, I've, yeah. I've let them all down. <clears throat> yeah. Not the fact that I've got my children yeah. and that I've got my wife. Yeah. I've not done what they've asked me to do. Yeah. I've not held up to my family name. Mm. I've not protected my brother. So when I was, I was lost. Yeah, and I couldn't be found. I went out for seven days on a manhunt. I didn't come home for seven days. I was literally gone. Still had the same trainers, same socks, tracksuit on, hat. I was completely the same. For seven days, I was a tramp, yeah? I was out on the streets all night doing all this lot. So when you come face to face with mm. these people, and when it went to court, I was not allowed in court. I was not allowed in court because I had to be have a psychiatric evaluation, yeah, on me because... They knew what I would that I, what I would do, what I was capable of doing, and they knew that I would go through it if I had the chance. Mm. So, there's only one room in this Crown Court where the glass goes from floor to ceiling. Yeah, yeah they did not want this in a court where I could get over the top. Mm. 
So we had to wait for this room to be available. And that was the only courtroom we were allowed in. You go into Crown Court, it's the, f- l- l- the first one on the right-hand side downstairs. Mm. And that was the only one we were allowed in because they knew that I'd jump, jump it. Mm. But I had to be psych-evaluated. They gave me a room. There was 30, 30-odd coppers down there, yeah, on patrol because they were there f- for me. Mm. And if any of their families turned up and everything, I was, I was going to get them all, mm. yeah? And they stuck me in a room and they were very clever with it because I had my own room. So I was away from the other members of the public. Yeah. So no one was going to trigger me or anything like this. Yeah. And they gave me puzzles to do. What calms you down? I don't know. A puzzle. Yeah. I've done one puzzle in my life. I didn't have a, I didn't even know. Yeah. I've done one puzzle in my life. I was I've done it once in the women's refuge. And I remember feeling calm when I'd done it. Mm. I said, I don't know, a puzzle. And I, so they, the police bought me puzzles, a thousand piece puzzle, 2000 piece puzzles. Mate, I'd done like nine or 10 puzzles whilst I was there. Mm. I had the court people coming in, doing all these puzzles, trying to calm me down. Mm. I hear the buzzer go on the door. I'd go flying up to the door and I'd be standing there like, are you part of it? And then I'd be watching them. And if they went down to that back room, yeah, headed down to that back mm. room, I'm, I'm, it's on, I'm, I'm, it's on. Mm. And, I can't, I don't know how to explain. You imagine feeling so angry that you can tear up a room, mm. yeah? But feeling so lost that you don't know what to say to, to anybody, mm. yeah? Echoes of conversations are coming at you, but you're not sinking in because I'm in this transition stage. Like, I don't know where I am with my emotions and I don't know how to manage that. Yeah. And people are coming through the door instantly, I'm switching. And then it's not them. So I'm then back down doing a puzzle. And like, you, you can't contemplate like the up and the down. Mm. Yeah, of so quick. It's like, well, I'm, I'm ready to kill you. Now I'm doing a puzzle. Mm. It's, it's weird. Mm. It's weird. You know how I could be so violent and so calm within seconds of each other. It's not you. Carry on with a puzzle, real calm and stuff, you know? Did I, you feel at that time you were losing the plot? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was losing the plot, but no one could see it. Yeah. No one could see it because I can't, I can't be weak. Yeah. Yeah. Because my family is looking at me. Yeah. Yeah. I've got people in my town that's knowing that they, they all turn around and say that these people were like getting questioned by the police. They're people knocking on the door in the area. They said, you better get them before Paul does. Mm. And they were like, why is that? And they said, because you'll have another body. Yeah. You'll have another body. And they go, do you think he will? And they, and they say to him, do you think he will? Mm. You know, and the the police were in. I I think I was more of a pain to the police because they kept saying to me like, "You need to stop. Let us do our investigation." No chance. Am I leaving it up to the pigs, to the rozzers? Mm. No way. And I said it to him. I said to him, "I ain't leaving it to you. You won't get nothing done. I'll get done quicker than you." Um, and all the information that I found out, I got um, the judge at the end of the trial. He was like, "Thank you for everything. This court case." wouldn't have been able to go without the information that you you like collected. Yeah. And that was emotional. When you were in the court looking up at them, how long did they all get? And do you remember how what you said to them at the time? Did you shout anything out? So, because um, I wasn't allowed in the courtroom be- until I got a psychic evaluation because yeah. the, the, they thought I was yeah. like nuts, yeah. Um, I got psych evaluated. Uh, multiple personality disorder, a bit of schizophrenia or yeah. whatever. 
and um, not paranoid, the other one, the more explosive one, do you know what I mean? So I got, I got diagnosed as well at the same time, which yeah. is good, because I understand now why yeah. I think the way I think, mm. you know? Um, you know, when you put a label on it, it feels yeah. a little bit easier. Yeah. So now, because I got value added, I understood a little bit more about me, yeah? Um, and that was nice, yeah? But at the same time, if I would have known years ago, I probably wouldn't have gone through so much do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, but he just looked at me as a naughty child. So I was a naughty child, and that's how it was, e it was easy to just bypass that. Mm. But someone had to die for me to find out my true evaluation, mm. you know. And uh, eventually, after four and a half weeks, I was allowed in the courtroom. Um, so the first time I went in the courtroom, you walk in, judge is there, we sit here, and the the box is like, I'm here, the box is here, yeah? If you stand up, you can see the window, you can see through the window. Yeah. And as I walked in, I paused, because I see them, and I'm looking at them like, and they're looking like, who's that? So they don't know who they I am. Know, yeah. They ain't got a clue who I am, because I wasn't a part of the yeah. drug world, so they don't know who I am. They I'm, would have heard that. I'm just a civilian. Yeah. They know that Dean yeah. had a brother, <laughs> yeah. yeah? And they know that this geezer's looking for him, yeah. and, and they've been told that I'm gonna kill him, mm. yeah? So they're looking and they're like, is that then? Because we don't look alike. Mm. My brother's mixed, he's short, I'm a little bit taller, yeah. a little bit more chubby, do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And so we don't look alike, but that's my brother, mm. you know? And we've gone in and you can see them looking and I'm looking at them like, wait until you come out that door, yeah? yeah? One of them looked in and he sort of like smiled, yeah? And I, I pinned him, I was like, at. Just nodded, mm. like, nodded. And then I sat down and then you, you, through the half of the glass was like frosty. So you can see, like, you know, like a bathroom window, mm. you know, if the light's on see from movement, outside, yeah. you can see movement. Yeah. I can see him looking, see him like trying to look up, see where I am and stuff. Mm. So I'm there waiting. I'm waiting for the judge to say it's break or something so I can stand up and look at these geezers again. So as soon as the judge has been like, we're gonna break, as soon as I saw him lift the hammer up, I stood up straight away, because they'd had to stand up, mm. they were standing up. So I stood up and I turned and I wasn't facing the judge, I was facing them. And I was looking and I was staring at them. And they, then they saw, I think they sort of got that I was Dean's brother, or I was mm. a family member, but I was staring at them like they had a, it was on, you know? Mm. And uh, I thought they were gonna come out. I didn't know how it worked. Mm. I thought they were gonna lead them out and this was it, I was ready. They're gonna bring them out, they're gonna walk them around with the security guards. But even there was a door in the back room and they yeah. went out through the door. I, said to, I turned around and I said to the copper, I said, where are they gone? And uh, Andy Moore, the copper, he's my new liaison officer. He turned around and goes, um, they don't, I said, did they not come out through that door? He goes, don't be stupid, we wouldn't bring them past mm -hmm. you. And uh, I was like, really? I said, where are they gone then? He said, the door out the back. So again, I'm now left feeling empty again mm. because I thought sure, the yeah, end, yeah. now I'm gonna get them, mm. yeah? Even if I got one of them, mm. I didn't care which one it was, mm. I just needed to show my mom and my sisters that like, I got you guys, you know what I mean? How many years did they get each? The guy that they said stabbed him, he got 22 years. And the other three, they all got 18 years each and they have to serve full sentences without the remand time, yeah? They have to serve full sentences before they can apply for parole. 
How did you make? How did you feel when you heard that? The one that I was most nervous about was the geezer on the phone, the guy that said, yeah. "Kill him." Yeah, because he wasn't. He was in London when he said this. Yeah. So he got eighteen years for he that. Got eighteen years, and that was recorded. That was wow. it. Was recorded yeah. through cellular data that yeah. was triangulated yeah. to his address yeah. in that area. Um, and that was pinned to the phone at that time, triangulated yeah. in that area. Um, and they got they got him on triangular. Did your brother have any ag with any dealers before? You know, anyone that buys drugs are always going to be like, get some stuff on tick or, yeah. you know, think you give me two less or you end up having an argument. Yeah. You're like, there's not enough here. I've given you this, you know. Yeah. And my brother was a straight talker. If, you, if you'd done him short, he'd, he'd, he'd take everything off mm. you. Like, if you'd done him short, He'd be like, because you tried to mug him off, he'll just mug you off and take everything off you. Yeah. You know, that that was what it was. Yeah. He was a straight guy, you know. Yeah. So you knew if you were selling drugs to him, that give him the right amount or was it take it all? Or you'd just come down with like just what you were selling him, do you know? Mm. Um, but So after all this happened and you calmed down, what was the next move for you to set up the charity that you set up about knife crime? So I'm lost beyond your wildest dreams. Yeah. I got a beautiful family. I got a mum that is no longer a mum no more. Yeah. This is a this is a ghost of a woman that looks like what my mum used to look like. My mum was a fat, short, stumpy old lady just wobbling around everywhere. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Now she's skin and bones, yeah. haggard. She's aged. She's she's just a shell. She's not she's not even a mum. I call this woman mum, and I, I I don't even know who she is. You know. So I've got so much in me that I hate these people for. And I've got all this in me that's like, I haven't done what I'm supposed to do. And and I'm I'm lost, yeah? My sisters, I've, I've set up, and I was the lead of this police, whole police investigation. If they wanted to talk to me, they couldn't talk to my mum, they couldn't talk to my sisters, they were a mess. My stepdad, my mum's husband, he's a nice guy, don't really get on with him, but he's a nice guy, you know what I mean? And he had a stroke the next day, so he's useless, absolutely useless. You know, he's got no movement in his arm and his leg mm. because of this. So now I've got to check he's okay. I've got to try and stop my mum from committing suicide. I've got to stop my sister from committing suicide because they were best friends. Yeah. Yeah, I've got my other sister. She's like lost and crying and that lot. And I couldn't cry. I had no time to cry. Because if I did, who's going to put this family back together? What's left of it? Mm. So I'm low, I'm lost. My sisters, I get the police, I say, my sisters need therapy, they need help, my mum needs therapy, they need help. What about you? Don't worry about me, just get them sorted. Mm. I can't talk to a stranger that doesn't know nothing about how I'm feeling. I'm a man, I'm yeah. a geezer. Yeah. You know, like, you can't tell me nothing. How do you know what I'm feeling like? I was so lost. Mm. Lost. And you were what, 35 years old then? Yeah, I think so, yeah. 35, 36. Yeah. It's unbelievable the ripple effects that happen after knife crime or any kind of crime like this. And this is why this is why I do, I do what I do. Yeah, because there was no one out there for someone that thinks the way that I think. Yeah, there's charities out there, there's this and that. But I feel like with a charity, yeah, that if you if you're a charity in your area and something's happened like that, you'd reach out, right? Yeah. Because you'd know how I'm feeling. But there was nothing, no one reached out to me. Mm. No one reached out to my family. They had help, they had the therapists. 
but I needed someone that knew what I was going through. And someone that had a knife crime charity should have reached out to me. I'm not a hard person to find. I'm very well known in my area. You know, I've got a tattoo shop, the most successful tattoo shop in my in my area. Everyone knows who I am. You cannot not find me. If you want me, you ask someone, they'll point you in my direction. A hundred percent. There's not a single person you'd you'd be able to walk past that wouldn't know who or where I was. And no one reached out to me. And I thought I felt disgusted in humanity. Like I was let down by society. And I started thinking, there has to be someone out there that's got to help other people. I need to focus on something. I need to be able to make sure that there's no one else that's going through what I'm feeling. Because I never felt like this before. Now, if I was committing crime and someone come to me who feels the way I've done and just give me a little bit of that, and I felt that as a child, but I would never have touched anybody. Mm. I would never had a fight. I would have never committed crime. I would have never done anything that hurt anybody, mm. ever. And I apologize to everyone apart from that teacher. Mm. But I, I apologize to everyone who I hurt because if I've made them feel how I feel today, I feel disgusted, man, like for real. And this is the medicine I need to give to people. And that's why I set up the charity. Mm. My brothers will not die in vain and his legacy will live on. And I'll make sure that uh, to my ultimate power that I will try and not let anybody else feel the way that I feel. And for the listeners out there, tell me about the charity. So I set up the Be Lucky Anti-Crime Foundation. And uh, the reason why I called it Be Lucky is because my brother never used to say goodbye. He used to say, be lucky <laughs> and thumb up, be yeah. lucky and thumb up and walk off. Yeah. So I named it Be Lucky. And uh, I used to say he had nine lives. So we had a cat as a logo, you know, like a Finks cat, because yeah. he hated them. Mm. He said, they're horrible, they're like aliens. So I had a Sphinx cat as, a, as the logo. We changed it now to like um, like a kiss cross, like a, a black one mm. is what we've we've established as a knife crime logo, you know? And people come and get tattooed on them and everything. But I, 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 I set this up so I could teach people that crime is not worth it. Mm. You know, what we need to understand is time is what's important and we're so protective over things like clothes and that. Oh, you got dirt on my clothes. Mm. And we got like, oh, someone stood on my train or someone's someone's damaged my wall in my house. Mm. I like, drove into it. We get so wrapped up in things that we can fix and replace yeah. that we fail to work out the most important thing. And there's something we can't get back is time. And it runs out on us every second goes by. That's a second less that you have. And if you haven't done good with that second, then what's the point of life? Mm. You know, so I go around, I try and teach kids about time, precious time, and to try and teach them to put down a knife and the ripple effects is the biggest importance. And I never knew what it was called until I um, podcasted a guy. I knew about the theory of it all, but I never knew it was called the ripple effect until I, ta I podcasted another guy called Cole Scott and he said, that's the ripple effect. And then I was like, oh yeah, it is. It's like, you start thinking about it. Mm. So yeah, I, I try and teach people about the ripple effect. And but knife crime in the UK has risen ridiculously high mm -hmm. levels. What, what advice can you give out there to kids carrying, going out on a night out and carrying? A lot of the people that I've come across that are carrying knives, they feel like it's for their protection. Um, they feel like it's gonna save their life. They don't realize that 
nearly 50% of the people that carry a knife are actually killed and wounded by their own knife. They don't realise this. So if you know, so fifty percent. So if you're carrying, someone grab it off and kill you back. Kill, well, most people that are carrying back. a knife, yeah, like, like when you're throwing a punch, yeah, you're throwing a punch. You've got a fist, a half a fist, yeah. yeah? So if you're using a knife whilst throwing a punch and it comes out your hand, yeah. you've got to go it? for it, or yeah. the person's going to go for yeah. it, or, you know. Or if you're not strong enough, then the person, because when you've got a knife, you think you can challenge someone that's yeah. twice your size and strong, yeah. You ain't got a chance. That person's going to get it off you, yeah. and. Like, if you was attacking me with a knife, I know I'm going to take it off you. Yeah. And at that split second... You're going to make a stupid decision. The stupidest yeah. decision. Yeah. The stupidest, because you wouldn't do it. Mm. But because you're in that moment, mm. yeah, you're you're stuck in a transition of your life. You would, you're would you not contemplating. There's no contemplating yeah. there. It's just action. Instant. It's instant yeah. action. Yeah. And you're stuck. You're stuck now because you've got a knife in your hand that you've used. Even though it's not yours, you go, I can't go to jail for it. This isn't my knife. This is his. Yeah. You can still go to jail for it. Yeah. You might get a shorter sentence because it's loss of self-control, but you still killed someone. You still wounded someone. You stabbed someone. What sort of anyone out there listening who is carrying? What sort of sentences are these people getting these days? So there's a mix, a variation. Um, it's not as strong as what it should be. You know, they say that if you're carrying a knife, you you um, they're trying to put the sentence to be five years. Start five years. What if you're just caught carrying? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, if you're just caught carrying a knife and they offer out a five-year sentence, that should be a deterrent, but yeah. they're not following through with this. Mm. You know, there's kids in my area that are carrying knives that I'm, I, I try and help, like, stop them from doing this, you know? Um, they listen to my lives and uh, on TikTok and stuff, and they say, because of you, I've put down a knife and stuff. And it's really good because they're understanding the passion and, and the purity that's behind my pain. And, um, you know, they're getting arrested. They found a knife on them. The police are taking a knife out on them, take the knife off of them and let them go with a caution. And you're thinking, what is the matter with you? Yeah. Because if all you're gonna do is nick me, I'll spend 17 hours in a cell or whatever, yeah. and you're gonna release me with paper. Yeah. What's gonna prevent me carrying what on? What is gonna yeah. prevent you? Like seriously, as a child, what will stop you from going, I'll just go home and get another one out of my kitchen yeah. drawer? You know? And the maddest thing about knife crime, especially with youngsters, is the parents that don't believe their children have been brought up that way to carry. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's crazy. They're like, oh, my children ain't been brought up that way. Well, the, the world's changed. Changed quickly. They've changed. Yeah. I spend a lot of time um, with the charity educating the parents. Because the parents really, they, the parents are so scared now, yeah, that they're, too, too, when my brother first died, not really many parents were like, Oh, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Mm. You know, you hear that. Oh, they hear something that's to do with drugs. Ah, oh, that's the lifestyle we lived. Now it's in-house. Yeah. Now it's in-house. Because your child, yeah, you're like one in three, one in three people, yeah, are a witness or a victim of knife crime. Mm. One in three. Yeah? So you could be walking to school. Someone else have a knife, have a fight, they pull a knife out, chase someone, or or there's a gang over there that's decided to go, and you've like got your phone out and witnessed yeah, it, you know, yeah. and and that's. You know, the weird thing is about listening to all this, what you're talking through, is the knock-on effects. It's not just you going to prison for stabbing someone else. A knock-on effects for the, all of your family around you. I'm telling you now, yeah, that I am not joking when I say to you, yeah. My mum is gone. Yeah. My mum is gone. She is she's a dead 
person. She's dead, but she's alive, but she's dead, mate. That, that's not a mum no more. That's a woman that's existing. You understand? Like, my family has been ripped to pieces. And when my family, we're all close. Close. Mm. You know, we're all together. We got past, we got backgrounds. You know, when one of us gets affected, we all turn mm. up. But when my brother died, I was on my own. Mm. I was on my own. I didn't see my cousins. I didn't see my uncles. These were all men. These were bad men. Mm. You know, fighting men, dangerous men. Where the hell were they when I was going out kicking cuckoos in yeah. and attacking the drug dealers on the corner of the streets like grabbing older people when they're doing you know the drug checks and stuff like mm. where 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 were anybody where was my friends you know where was all the people that were bad men that all walking like their road mm. like where were all they you know or, there was no one in sight no one and I hated everyone for it mm. now I don't and this is why the charity works so well because I will not falter in my passion. I had the police come out to me um, a couple of weeks ago and uh, because of my efforts of not following procedure when it comes to anything I do with the charity, schools won't let me in because you know they don't think that um, I'd be right to approach the children because <laughs> I'm too like vocal and loud yeah, and they yeah. think I might scare them. Yeah. Um, so I stand outside the school grounds, handing leaflets out. Mm. You're right, mate, how you doing? Mm. Any use carrying a knife? If you do, give them to me. I'll put them away for you. Mm. Kids hand over knives. Yeah. They hand over knives. Can't make you don't want to do that. Tell them a little, educate them a little bit. Not aggressive now. I said, let me talk to you for a minute. Come on. Mm. I said, what would you do when you, if your mum comes around your house, if the police come around to your mum's house and say, I'm sorry your son was killed today. Mm. And they're like, Phew. I said, well, how would your mum be? What if your mum committed suicide? Like my mum wants to. Mm. Because you're gone, your baby, you're her baby. Because all you wanted to do was carry a knife to save face. They hand the knife over, they hand the knife. I'm successful with these guys. Good. I'm successful with them. And the police, the council, the schools, they don't like it. They don't like it because I'm I'm moving and I'm just a guy in a tattoo shop that's hurting. Yeah. But I know how to approach these kids and they all love me. They love me because I was a part of the street. Mm. But I wasn't in a gang. Mm. I weren't in a gang. The gangs weren't like that then. It was firms, you know, like mm. a couple of friends just go out and work together. Do you know what I mean? So these kids, they appreciate it and they understand. I think you're doing really, what you've been through, Paul, is pretty horrific mate yeah. and what you're doing now come out the other side with a lovely missus you can see over there yeah. and everything you've gone through I think it's really powerful what you're doing and I think you should carry on doing what you're doing because the ripple effect anyone listening out there who is carrying or knows someone who's carrying this is a really powerful message yeah yeah and it's moved it's moved big time it's, yeah. it's over listen i've been at it for six years now my brother's been gone just over six years i've been at it six years and it's been a massive success yeah. the last three years things have really turned around yeah, I can see. they turned around massive because with the charity is we was bypassed because they thought that we were only going to be a couple of years and i'm going to forget around. it and go yeah. like yeah. all the other ones do they set up they don't they're not getting paid i'm a non-profit in organization yeah. every penny that comes through that through the charity goes back into the street yeah every single penny of it 
every penny and I've got paperwork to put online if anyone disbelieves yeah. yeah but every penny that comes through there goes back into the streets and when I say it goes back into the streets I'm not talking about programs that I'm giving back to the council mm. I'm giving these kids something mm. yeah I'm not giving them gifts at JD like some people do and that's really successful for a lot of them yeah and it's working for them in that area it's different. I'm a, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to integrate these kids to understand that just because they're from that postcode, it doesn't mean that you can't connect. Yeah. It don't mean that you can't vibe. Like, what are you killing each other for over a couple of letters and words? Yeah. It's mental. Mm. So I started an event and um, we're coming up to our third year. And uh, the first, first event I set up, it was a basketball tournament. And I basically, all these kids that were on the streets in my area, they were all working, they all play basketball. And I thought, I'm gonna connect them this way. Everyone puts football teams on and yeah. they do football. Not everyone's into football. Yeah. I'm not into football. Mm. You know, I, I was a basketball guy. Mm. So I set up the event, I got the police to get team together. So I had police feed street kids, <laughs> roadmen, ex-prisoners. Yeah, the police yeah. come down. The police were really nervous. Mm. They were really nervous. Kids come down, 1,230 kids turned up. Right. 1,000 kids plan. from areas that hate each other. Yeah. They turned up to this event mm. for a 250 pound prize draw mm. for the winning team. Mm. They turned up 250 quid. <laughs> had me thinking, like how can these kids, yeah? 250 quid for the winning team, it's three on three, 250 pounds mm. split three ways. Mm. These kids come down, ignored the beef for 250 quid split three ways. Yeah. How much must these want the money? Yeah. So you've done two years. Are you coming into third year now? Yeah, so we're on, we're on our third year now and put myself in a position where um, I would allow you not to come anywhere near me. And Is that is that what it was? You yeah. protecting yourself? I was protecting myself, yeah. Did you find that you, as you were protecting yourself from the front there, deep down you were a little boy inside? Oh, listen, uh, that, that day made me feel like a little boy. Yeah. Um, I, I thought I was powerful because my family and everybody told yeah. me I was. But that day when I froze, yeah, and I can assure you I'll never ever freeze ever again. Yeah. Yeah, I would never ever feel that way again. And um, yeah, and I know this because I went looking f to kill people, mm. you know, um, uh, so I know I won't freeze because when it counts, it ma I'm, I'm able. Now I'm a new person. I will stay away from violence if I can. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong, if you come to me and you're trying to attack me, I've got to protect myself. Mm. But that's not it's not a first choice no yeah. more. It's not, I'm not You'd interested in it. Away. Listen, I am, I looked for respect from everybody by hurting people and making them fear me. Mm. Yeah, this has made me realize that the respect that half of these people believe they have is fear. Yeah, There's a big difference. Yeah. Because when you die, they're happy you're gone. Mm. Yeah, where if you can get people to respect you for the goodness that you put out, they will miss you forever. Mm. You become a legacy, a legacy. Mm. You know, they say you're forgotten after three generations. My brother will never, ever be forgotten. Mm. And neither will I. Because I'm a pure man now, you know, and I will step away from violence. Do you feel that you're in a really good place as you sit today? Yeah, but that's only because of what I've got around me. Yeah. Yeah, so I've got, you know, I've got my wife and my children and I've got, I've got, I, I can look at myself now and I can see who I am and I like what I see. Yeah. And I like how I feel. And don't get me wrong, if someone gets a bit antsy and I get like, I, I, I wanna, sometimes I feel like I can slip back to the way I am. Yeah. But that's a split second. And that's what I'm trying to educate these kids to do. Don't think like that because mm. afterwards you will feel better mm. because you walked away. Mm. And not it doesn't make you a coward. It doesn't make you weak. You're just choosing 
to not manifest that in your brain. Mm. You know, don't let no one have no control. But what you're doing now, Paul, I think you're doing, putting out some really good stuff across your socials and across your platforms and your podcast where can people find you these days so i'm on all social media platforms uh paul stansby podcast if you want my tattoo one it's lucky 13 paul stansby um but my podcast channel is all about trauma so me and you have podcasted some of the same people yeah yeah um how you podcast is phenomenal it's unreal and james english better watch out because you're coming for that space i'm telling you that now and i i, I know i said that to you before but i want the world to know that James better watch out because you're coming and that's the truth. I think you're gonna be real big in this game. Um, but with me and you, we're a little bit different because I focus on the trauma and the the the, um, the journey of it. I, I don't go into the um, the success of violence, you know? Yeah. I, I, I stay the other way and the only time I really go into it is just a, like a slight back up. Yeah. But I think what you do is absolutely amazing. And uh, I do believe that you're going to be bigger than what you are now by a long shot. Kind words, mate. And I'm just doing it for a bit of fun. Yeah, I know you are. I know you do are. You know and that's I mean? that's the crazy thing about it. And yeah. I think that's why you, you're so successful with it. And people warm to you and they like you. And you, you, you're a nice person to talk to. And uh, if, if, uh, if Dodge reaches out to you at all, yeah, <laughs> come meet this guy because he's, you know, he's, he's a good person to talk to. Cool. Paul, very kind words, mate. I really thank you for making the effort coming all the way you've come today with your with your lovely wife mm -hmm. to come down here and tell your story. It's some story you've got. And what I love, it's gone full circle and you've mm -hmm. really taken all these years at the age of 41 to really find yourself in these last three years. And I think you've got a huge future ahead of you. I appreciate that, yeah. man. Yeah, I appreciate it. And if anyone um, wants to get at us, like to to collaborate whatsoever at these events, yeah. like young entrepreneurs that are looking to get known, their business out there, and they want to get away from the street and get heard, get hold of us um, on any of my social media yeah. platforms, and we'll get at you. You can come and have stalls at our event for absolutely free. Um, come and showcase yourself and show the world what you're truly about. Quality. Paul, it's an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you so You're much. I appreciate man. you. Cheers, mate. Nice Thank one, you. fella. Cheers, mate. Cheers.